program may contain mature subject matter. Discretion is advised. So, in things that are just funny to me, the DC bomb of a movie, you know that Birds of Prey movie that was actually a Harley Quinn movie with a lethal assassin turned petty pickpocket? You know, Cassandra Cain. And a Ewan McGregor role that he tried so hard but just couldn't save. Yeah, you know that movie? So HBO Max accidentally replaced the R-rated version with a censored and watered-down made-for-TV PG-13 version. Well, then everyone loses their minds. I think Twitter had, like, the best BS comments I saw with online identities claiming that this was an act against a woman director, that it was an attack against feminism, that HBO was going soft, online influencers trying to make this little tiny fuck-up into a new world war. Hmm. So, first off, accidents happen, maybe? Secondly, try being a Joe Bob Briggs fan. You know, we love our last drive-in. And on Shudder, whenever a movie, you know, whenever they lose rights to the movie, all of a sudden that episode disappears. But then a couple months later, that movie will return to the Shudder service, but the Joe Bob episode is nowhere to be found. Now, luckily, they've put these nice little called Just Joe Bob segments where we get to see him talk about all the movies that aren't there anymore. But still, the episodes are gone. Thirdly, censored versions? Um, the horror genre is laughing at you right now. Just last week, I was talking about Blood Rage and how there was Nightmare at Shadow Woods, which was a watered-down censored version of the movie, and they released it in theaters. That's just one movie. <laughs> Frankenstein! They took out the line, now I know what it feels like to be a god, and that line didn't return to the movie for 50 years. Fourthly, uh, didn't another fourth wall breaker intentionally release a PG-13 version of his own R-rated movie? Deadpool, anyone? I know, okay, yeah, that was planned, but still, it happened. Fifthly, this version of the Birds of Prey, the, the watered-down version, exists for a reason. It's the network television version, you know, the one that they can put on like the CW, you know, a watered down version of a raunchy movie that really didn't know what it wanted to be anyway. But please, Twitter, yes, continue to tell me how this simple little mistake by a relatively new streaming service is a vicious attack to the female gender. 
I'm not saying anti-feminism doesn't exist. We all know it does. I'm not stupid. But this is not that. And on top of all that, just think of the publicity this one little mistake made. It's almost genius in its own stupidity by Warner Brothers and HBO. Because this movie, honestly, not that good. But now people are going to watch it just because this whole shebang has been made out of it. But whatever. You know what else is stupid? This guy who pretends to be smart on the Next Level Network and Studio Zero production of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul. Although some people would call me Stupid Paul. Or he likes to say things he shouldn't say on a podcast because it could come back to haunt him 15 years later. Yeah, probably. Who cares? <laughs> it's called growth, people. Sometimes we say things that are stupid and 10 years later we go, why did I say that? But it happens. And the humans. Uh, anyways, this, this episode is the first of our festive freak show episodes celebrating another spooky Xmas, or Xmas, or Christmas, or whatever you want to call it. This week, well, we're going low budget. We go a ho ho a hoing with a killer Santa Claus who might have a bit of a fetish for a different kind of North Pole. If you get my meaning, and I'm pretty sure you do. Episode 111. 111. 111 episodes. Pretty fucking cool. But anyways, episode 111 will focus on a little movie with a big bag of treats known as All Through the House 2015. But before that, before we go with slaying away and dismembering certain body parts, I'm going to talk about something that's not a horror movie. Something that actually... I was pretty surprised that I actually liked it. It's a movie released on HBO Max. Hello! Uh, called 8-Bit Christmas. And no, like I said, it's not a horror movie. I think they call these like those feel-good family movies. I think that's what they refer to them as. Anyway, um, the whole thing caught my attention because in the poster, it's these. It, it's a stack of people. Like, they, montage or no collage sorry a collage of people that's shaped like a christmas tree and at the very top the star of the tree is a nintendo entertainment system you know from the 80s and i was like oh my god a movie about nintendo i think i'm kind of in so <laughs> i gave it a shot and i gotta say it's not a bad flick um it's over the top definitely a movie about a kid trying to get his first nintendo in 1988 at christmas time which is always funny to me when people We'll talk about Nintendo in the 80s. We know it came out, I think it was 84 or 85 was when the first Nintendo came out. But the big craze in North America really didn't start till about 87, 88. But so many people will be like, I remember the 80s in 1985 playing my Nintendo. No, you don't because you didn't have one. <laughs> it was a known fact. Like Nintendo was very rare in 1985, at least in North America. So anyways, this movie, it stars Neil Patrick Harris and Steve Zahn. And like I said, it's a movie about a kid trying to get his first Nintendo in 1988. And like I said, I actually enjoy this one. There's a few pretty good laugh-out-loud moments, like legitimate laugh-out-loud moments, especially being a Bears fan. Um, I know, we beat the Lions, the worst team in the league. Hey, a win's a win, man. At this point, we'll take anything. We still want our head coach out, but that's another story. But being a Bears fan watching this movie, this movie takes place in Chicago and there's little digs at Packer fans and at the Packers throughout the whole fucking movie. 
it put this huge holly jolly smile right on my face because it's like, that's true. In the 80s, the Bears were good and the Packers sucked. So them taking shots at the Packers was perfect. And it was like, I'm watching this movie going, well, whoever wrote this is probably a Bears fan now and knows that like Aaron Rodgers has told the world, I own you. I fucking own you. Yeah, we know you do. Fuck off. But anyways, so... Watching that made me just laugh. Like, there's one joke in there. I'm not going to spoil a whole lot with this, but there's a joke where they're, like, driving down the highway and a car cuts them off, and he's like, oh, Wisconsin plates, that says everything. And it's like, that was funny. <laughs> but, I mean, it. so naturally this movie got bonus points from me because, like I said, being a Bears fan, this was the little bit of joy I had when they were taking shots at the Packers uh, on Aside from all that, with the movie, um, good use of music. Um, I got a thing about uh, Animotion's Obsession song from the 80s, but it was okay. It kind of it was funny. Um, and what was the... Oh, uh, I Need a Hero by Bonnie Tyler is used. And, of course, that was pretty funny the way they used it. Um, the movie's got good pacing, never overstays its welcome. And the kids in the movie are actually really fun. Winslow Fegley is in this movie. He plays the lead role of Jake Doyle. Um, I've actually mentioned him on this show uh, just recently when I talked about the gateway horror film Nightbooks, which was on uh, Netflix. He's in that, and he was also in the movie um, Come Play. So he's in this, and he's a little bit older than he was in those two films, but still, same kid. Um, he was good. I, I gotta say, he has a good future in film if he keeps it up, because he's a pretty damn good actor. The other one who really gave me the chuckles in this movie was uh, Cyrus Arnold. He plays Josh, Josh Jagorski. And he's like this heavy metal bully. Like he wears like Iron Maiden shirts and stuff. He's probably like, you know, three or four grades older than all these kids. But, you know, because he failed or whatever, he's in the same grade. And he's pretty funny. Uh, he had me laughing quite a bit. But I mean, to be fair, it, with this movie, there's really no bad performance at all. Uh, everyone's pretty good. The kids are all really fun to watch and stuff. The best way to describe the movie, I guess, would be like saying it's like taking the Losers Club from the Stephen King It story, whether it's the book or the movie, you make your choice, uh, but putting them there in their own uh, Jingle All the Way film, sans Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, for those of you that don't know what that means, it means without Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, <laughs> this movie was a lot better than I was expecting. I will say that for sure. Um, which I know it's kind of weird. I'm opening up, you know, this show talking about a family movie, but I was impressed. I actually really did enjoy the movie. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is pretty good, but Steve Zahn actually was the adult performance that sold the movie for me. I thought he was really good. So just thought I would mention that for those of you who might not, want to just, what am I talking about? You're listening to this podcast. You want blood, guts, and gore. I get it. But, but if you're into those like family Christmas movies that aren't the Hallmark movies, this one's okay to watch. Um, I'm also going to quickly talk about Blade Runner Black Lotus. And I wasn't going to do this at first, but I've seen a lot of people saying online that this doesn't fit the Blade Runner universe. Okay. So the first three episodes, actually first four, I just haven't seen the fourth one yet. First three episodes were released when I watched this. They're all really good. Uh, it takes place, if I remember correctly, it's 2032. So it's 10 years after the blackout of 2022. Um, 
which if you know your Blade Runner lore and all the comics and the anime shorts and all that sort of stuff, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, there was an anime short, uh, Blackout 2022, and this takes place 10 years after that. Uh, it's This Black Lotus is very nostalgic, but at the same time it adds new elements to the lore that's already existing. Uh, Jessica Henwick voices Elle. L is the main character. She's a girl who... She's suffering from amnesia. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know what she is. And this story is basically her discovering who and what she is and rediscovering the world that she's in and why she's in it. Um, I'm not going to say whether or not she's a replicant. You have to watch to find out. But um, she's pretty good. Uh, Wes Bentley is also in this. Brian Cox, Jason Spisak, and Roger Craig Smith, uh, other voices. I, I Obviously, I'm watching the English dub. There is a Japanese dub with subtitles as well. You can watch that. This is offered through Crunchyroll and Adult Swim. Crunchyroll, uh, I checked out Crunchyroll and they had the Japanese dub. There, I couldn't find an English dub on there. So I've been watching it <clears throat> other ways. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's pretty easy to find on the internet and whatnot. And it's definitely worth it. Um, I've enjoyed it. I, I like it. The visuals are done in that 3D anime style. Uh, I feel it's done quite stylishly, but there's some people on the internet I've read that they're like, these characters look rubber. It's not meant to be live action. I don't know what you want, but overall, I'm hooked so far. I am looking forward to watching episode four when I get to it, um, which will probably be within the next 12 hours sometime in there. But um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to watch it. If if you aren't a, a fan of the Blade Runner series as a whole, like I'm talking movies, books, uh, the animes and whatnot, you might not like this. I'm not going to say it's for everyone. It's not. It's not a series for everyone. I personally, I'll just chew up anything that's Blade Runner. I love the whole idea of AI versus humanity and all that sort of stuff. And there is definitely hints of that in this. Uh, they are. It, this one is a little bit more action oriented than I probably would have liked. It seems like it's going for more of a Matrix feel, which I have no problems with. But the one thing I've always enjoyed about Blade Runner is how it's a very slow burn and it's very story oriented, which this still is. It's just there's a little bit more action than I probably would have wanted. But hey, it is what it is. Um, Hawkeye. I'll quickly talk about that. I'm not going to talk long about it because. There's only been two episodes. It's not bad. It's on Disney Plus, for those of you who don't know. But, I mean, I'm sure you pretty much figured that out. It's the same old Marvel hero thing. And I, I get that. This, it's, this one, he's retired. He's going to come out of retirement. Okay, whatever. We, I'm not spoiling anything. It's been in all the trailers and everywhere. The thing is, is I think the reason why I kind of like this show is I like Jeremy Renner. I think he's a fun actor. I think he he has a, a good like screen presence. And I've always I've always enjoyed watching him. Uh, Haley Stensfield, I believe that's what her name is. She plays Kate Bishop, who is like going to be like the the new Hawkeye, I guess you would say. I, I don't know the comics, so I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, I've got it all figured out. I know that this is leading into a new series called Echo. That's all I know. I don't know anything about the character Echo, so this is all new to me. But I do kind of like it. Uh, the thing is, is with Hawkeye, you had me at Vera Farmiga and Linda Cardellini. I saw those two names and I'm like, I'm in. Because I like watching them. I think they're great actresses and they never disappoint. So I was like, I'm in. Plus Jeremy Renner, like I said. And, and, and everybody, there's a dog. 
So if the dog dies, I will stop watching. But um, no, it's an all right show. I'm going to say that. I know. So now let's start talking about horror related stuff because I've pretty much talked about everything else. But um, quickly, I did post something on the Facebook account. I believe it was last week. I didn't talk about it on the show because I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I still kind of don't know how I feel about it. But Pumpkinhead Remake. Apparently it is happening. Just putting it out there. Um, I'm going to reserve judgment. I am not going to comment much until I see more of it, of course, because here's the thing. Maybe, just maybe, this one could benefit from a remake. And I know that people. some people are like, that's blasphemy. That was Stan Winston. It was amazing. And I'm not saying I will not always love that original film. I fucking loved that movie. I mean, like, the original is amazing. Even with all its bad acting and everything, the the practical effects in that first movie are mind-blowing. So I will always, 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 always love that first film. But here's the thing. That movie came out 33 years ago. And the sequels, um, well... Did it really leave a great legacy? I mean, honestly, so many people shit on Bloodwings and what was the other one? Ashes to Ashes? I think there's actually four because I think there was a sci-fi version of uh, like a fourth part that was released on sci-fi network. I mean, like, has it really left that great of a legacy? I mean, yes, we all love that first film, but we really didn't get much greatness from it afterwards. I mean, yeah, Pumpkinhead, but that was about it. So I don't know. I, like I said, I'm reserving judgment until later because I kind of want to see what is going to happen. We're seeing a lot of practical effects in movies coming out today. Not everything is CGI anymore. I think the horror genre is kind of proving that, you know what, it's still good to go to that hardware store and go to your local Targets and your Walmarts and get some stupid, you know, like, just any old type of crafting prop and whatnot and make it work on a screen. We're, we're learning to embrace practical effects again so the thing is is that Pumpkinhead being remade could actually be a practical effects heaven and we'll all be sitting there after it comes out going where were you my whole life that's kind of what I'm hoping for now I realize that when it comes to the horror genre or any genre for that matter there's the possibility of disappointment but in that case then I just stick with the 1988 movie and I say well this is still the only one that's the way I'm going to approach it I will keep you guys updated on how I feel about it as we find out more. Anyway, it's time to get our Yuletide slaughtering on now. Yep. We're going to dive into this little indie flick that uh, actually, for an indie flick, might just be powerful enough to become a classic in time. I mean, this thing could be right up there with It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe. (laughs) Um, I know, I might be stretching a little here, but the thing is, is that this movie... A lot of passion went into this movie, a lot of effort, a lot of, um, well, let's just say there's some things that I've, I discovered about this movie while researching it that actually made me appreciate it even more than I already did. So yeah, trailer time out for all through the house. And when we return, we're going to break this little Santa killing movie down and talk about some fun stuff. We'll, we'll open our Shared Deadcast gift experience. 
I might be hamming up the Christmas theme just a little too much. Yeah, maybe. Um, back in a splat, kids. My life was not the same when Jamie was taken from me. A pity. She could have been like you. You see, baby? They don't want to play with you. They ain't nothing but a bunch of naughty little children. Rachel, you gotta get out of that house. So before I forget, there's something that I want to share on this podcast because a part of me was upset about it, but a part of me got like the biggest laugh out of it. So obviously this past week was Thanksgiving in the United States. And, you know, my last episode I did was for the movie Blood Rage. There's this image on the Internet that is actually very well done. It's supposed to be like a public service announcement for this Thanksgiving. You can dip into the cranberry sauce, but stay away from marijuana because it makes you murder your friends. Anyways, I came across this image and I was like, oh, this will be awesome to share on the, the social media accounts to, you know, promote the episode and everything. And I tried sharing it on Facebook and I got flagged for sharing false information and the image was blocked same with there was like this whole uh, like it was apparently this image has been fact checked and there's an article on USA Today about this image saying that it's a false image and it's fake news and it's all this other garbage. And I was like, but it's pictures from Blood Rage. Um, So I read the USA Today article and I was like, all right, I, what the fuck is going on? Like all of a sudden I'm getting a, and oh my God, what, like when you post something on the Internet and they don't like it, you don't get one notification. You get 25 like my fucking account just kept beep, 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 beep. And I'm like, what the fuck is it? And it was all these notifications. You posted false information. You posted false information. You posted. And I'm like, this is a fucking joke from Blood Rage. It's like. It's done like, um, well, like a public service announcement that you would see like in a magazine or whatever. But the pictures are Terry in the movie taking a, a hit off the marijuana joint. And the next image is him stabbing his friend, which is what he did in the movie. And it's meant to be a joke for the movie Blood Rage. But apparently nobody told anybody this. And that apparently that's also how under the radar blood rage is because nobody recognized the fact that this is Mark Soper in the, in the pictures. And like I said, I was upset at first cause I'm like, what the fuck? I'm not even doing anything wrong. I'm posting a joke online just to promote my episode. But at the same time, it made me laugh because I was like, wow, that like, you really didn't research anything. And the fact that it had an article in the USA Today talking about how it was false information that marijuana doesn't cause you to kill your friends. And it's like, you actually went to this extent and didn't research where this came from? Like, wow. Journalism at its finest, kids. 
Anyways, I had to share that because it was fucking hilarious. Like, Twitter allowed me to share it. And of course, Twitter's a cesspool. But anyways, <laughs> I was allowed to share it on there. Instagram, I didn't try because I'm like, well, they're owned by Meta. Have you seen this commercial for Meta, by the way? Like, I know I'm supposed to be talking about the fucking movie. But have you seen this commercial where it's like these kids are like looking at this painting and all of a sudden like the animals in the painting start bobbing their head and then the kids start bobbing their head and this is supposed to promote Facebook and Meta. And I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? It's the most ridiculous commercial. I see it every Sunday and every well, even Saturdays too. But whenever I'm watching football, they always put this commercial on there and I'm like what what does this even have to do with social media like I don't see anyone crying I don't see anyone like kicking and screaming or arguing with people this is not social media (sighs) enough sarcastic comments okay so all through the house this is a movie that a lot of you may not know some of you may um it's like I said it's an independent flick sort of under the radar but it did get a lot of buzz at film festivals and I remember what was it about three years ago was when I saw it for the first time and uh, I was like really impressed with it so I was like you know what it last year I was gonna review it and then I was like nah you know I'll stick with other movies but this year I kind of want to talk about movies that I you know are not as well known although next week's episode and I'm pretty sure most of you know it anyway so all through the house it premiered at uh, the R.I.P. Horror Film Festival, October 31st, 2015. Like I say, it's a, it's a film festival uh, film. It didn't really get a wide release. So There's a lot of film festivals. That being said, it won a lot of awards at these film festivals. The R.I.P. Horror Film uh, Festival, for example, it was nominated for and won for Best Slasher, Best Editing, and Audience Choice Award. Um, I believe it was also nominated for Best Music Score as well. And then a year later, the movie was released digitally on demand and on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, October, 4, October 4th, 2016 was when that happened. Um, within that year span, the film also won uh, other awards as well. Uh, for, for example, at the Hardcore Horror Fest in Chicago, it won for Best Director. And the director for this film is Mr. Todd Nunes. I think I'm saying his last name right. I believe it's pronounced Nunes. Um, he's also the writer for the film as well, so I might as well nip that in the bud now. But um, yeah, so Todd put this together. Uh, before doing this, he did a movie called Scary Larry. I actually haven't seen it, so I can't comment on it. But um, I know he did do that, and he's currently working on a new project called Death Ward 13, which is a film in which one of the actors in it will be Doyle from The Misfits. Uh, the guitarist Doyle, he will be acting it. He's also uh, famously known for dating um, Alyssa White Goose from Arch Enemy. So, but he'll it, there'll be other actors in the film as well that I'll mention in a bit because they're in this movie too. Uh, the movie All Through the House was produced by Stephen J. Redmond and Christopher Stanley. Now, Stephen has uh, he produced this film and he's also producing Todd's next film. Uh, Death Ward 13. He also worked in the art department for films like Stuart Saves His Family, Fargo, and Wag the Dog. Now, Christopher, he's just produced this film, and he's producing Death Ward 13. The cinematography for this film was by Ryan J. Anderson, and he basically also worked with Todd on the movie Scary Larry. 
special effects for this film. I have to mention them because there's some pretty good special effects in this. They're done by Josh McCarran, who has also worked on the makeup department for Star Trek Beyond. The music, which unfortunately is null and void. I wish they'd release it. I wish there would be a soundtrack released somewhere, but I, I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, music by Irving Victoria. He's also worked on titles like The Long Ballad. Uh, he did the music for Elder Scrolls Online Morrowind. Uh, he's done music for Mythbusters and Wicked Tuna. Um, and as I said earlier in 2015, he was also his soundtrack was nominated for Best Soundtrack for the original score of this movie. Now let's move on to our starring cast. This, some of these names. I'll be honest with you, okay? So this is an independent low-budget flick. You're probably not going to recognize too many of the names. As a matter of fact, quite a few of the names in this movie, this is their only movie. I kind of like that, though, because watching this movie, I didn't have any preconceived notions about who was who or how they would act or anything because I didn't know them. So I kind of like that. Um We'll start with our starring female role. She is the one that basically she keeps this movie going. She she's the one pushes the plot and whatnot. Her um, the actress's name is Ashley Mary Nunes, and she plays Rachel Kimmel. Now you notice the last name Nunes. Yes, she is Todd's sister. She works. Todd and. Uh, Ashley, our brother and sister, and they work together on this film. She also worked on his other films like Scary Larry, uh, and she will be in the upcoming Death Ward 13 as well with, obviously, Doyle. Um, the other thing is that she also worked in the Fangoria-produced film Inhuman Resources, which was a movie that also featured Nicholas Hope and Tom Savini. And Ashley, this is really cool, was also part of a sci-fi show, uh, Robot Combat League, where basically it was they created these giant robots and they like, it's sort of like, uh, what's that movie? Uh, Real Steel, I think it was. It's kind of like that idea where it's like giant robots and whatnot. She was a part of that. She was in the, their first season. So that's pretty cool. Um, let's move on to Jessica Cameron as Sheila. This is actually her second um holiday horror flick, Christmas horror flick, whatever. She was also in the 2012 uh, movie Silent Night, which is actually pretty good, I'm, I have to say. Malcolm McDowell's in that one, and uh, it's a pretty good flick. It, well, Silent Night from 2012 was loosely based on Silent Night, Deadly Night. It was kind of like a remake, but it was done a little bit differently. They did pull a few little scenes from uh, there were a couple scenes they pulled from Silent Night Deadly Night but it was sort of its own thing as well and it was done actually pretty well Jessica's also been other in other films like 131313 13, 13, uh Truth or Dare Camel Spiders which is a Roger Corman flick that I had no clue about and now I kind of want to see it <laughs> um she was also in a very low budget Christmas horror flick called Puppet Killer but I I have no clue about that one at all. Um, I just knew she was in Silent Night. And she was also in the American guinea pig, The Song of Solomon, which is sort of a departure from what American guinea pig is known for. They're known for a lot of torture films and stuff like that. And that one was kind of like their version of The Exorcist, although not 
Very well done. But uh, when you watch an American guinea pig film, you're watching it for the gore. You're watching it for blood spatter and just fucking ape shit fucking violence. And that's pretty much what that movie was. Like, there's one scene. I haven't seen this movie. This is what I was told. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. But apparently there's one scene where, like, the girl that's being possessed she like spits up all her insides including like her intestines and all these other different body parts and i'm like wow that sounds like it'd be fun um but i I can honestly say i've never seen any of the american guinea pig films um i don't mind torture to a certain extent in movies but i know that that's pretty much what those movies specialize in and i'm like "Eh, i want something a little bit more fun moving on to jennifer wenger as manny and she played a waitress in the movie Starry Eyes. Starry Eyes is actually a very um, well-received horror flick. I know it's like it a lot of the time. I haven't seen it. It's another one that I, I have yet to see. But um, it, I know it gets like 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10 I see in a lot of reviews. So it's obviously a very good one. Um, Jennifer was also uh, in the movie Tales of Halloween, which I have seen, and I love it. She was in two of the segments. She was in the segment uh, for This Means War and Friday the 31st. Friday the 31st, I believe, is the one where she there's like almost kind of like the two twins from um, The Shining, but they're supposed to be like Dorothy from Wizard of Oz, and she was one of them. Um, she was also in the movie House of Demons, but most recently, something that was kind of cool, she played Summer Gleason in the short film Dying is Easy, which is one of those Bat in the Sun um, short films. You've probably seen them online. They're, uh, the different Batman films, um, they're short films, fan films, whatever. They're really well done, um, but uh, they did one recently that was uh, Dying is Easy, and it was there was this... Um, exchange between Batman and the Joker in it. That was probably one of the best things I've ever seen in any indie Batman film, let alone any Batman film, like very, very well done. Um, I'll also mention that Jennifer herself, she is married to Casper Van Dien. You guys might know him as Johnny Rico from Starship Troopers. Uh, He was also in movies, Alita, Battle Angel and Sleepy Hollow, but a lot of people probably know him as Johnny Rico. She's married to him. Okay, moving on to Melinda Keering as Mrs. Garrett. Uh, Also in the movie Scary Larry, that was done by Todd. And she was in two short films called The Fog Lady and Here Comes Santa. Both of those were done by Todd as well. And I might also add Ashley was uh, also a part of those as well. So it's a tight-knit family. They, They all work together and they produce films and whatnot together. Lito Velasco as... The killer. He's our Santa Claus killer. Now, interesting backstory to him because he's not only an actor, but he's a composer and a producer. And he's done music for a lot of great documentaries, some of which probably you guys have seen. Like, for example, Leviathan, the story of Hellraiser and Hellbound Hellraiser 2. He also did the music for the documentary You're So Cool Brewster, which was the story of Fright Night. That's a great documentary, by the way. That's Probably one of the best documentaries I've seen ever. Um, he also did the music for Fred Heads, the documentary, which was about um, the Freddy Krueger fandom. Uh, More Brains, A Return to the Living Dead, which that is <laughs> that is an awesome documentary. Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street Legacy. 
which is that four-hour-long documentary that was about each of the movies and whatnot. And then there was also Crystal Lake Memories, The Complete History of Friday the 13th. He did the music for that as well. And that one, if you've seen it, it's like an eight-hour documentary chronicling the whole fucking Friday the 13th franchise. And then he also did Scream the Inside Story. So as much as he, he's he's awesome as the Santa Claus killer in this, but it's his musical background, his his composer background that really stood out. I was like, wow, dude, there's some big titles attached to this guy. The rest of these... Um, Actors and actresses, pretty much this is their only feature-length film. You have Natalie Montera as Gia, Danica Reiner as Sarah, Jason Ray Schumacher as Cody, although in this film he's credited as Jason Rayer, and Joanna Ray as Beth. She was also in one other film called Psychos, which I have seen. I don't want to put it down because there was a lot of passion that was put into the movie, but it's definitely not a movie that was meant for me. I don't think I was technically the target audience in that one. I know they were, and I've like I said, when I saw the movie, I knew what they were trying to do. It was supposed to be an homage to the slashers of the 80s, which is what so many of these movies are. It just didn't work for me. But that's not to say it's a horrible film. You can see it on Tubi if you're interested in checking it out. For All Through the House, the movie is unrated. The runtime is 88 minutes long. It is available to stream through Tubi, uh, free with ads, of course. I actually posted that link on the Facebook page, so if you're interested and want to check it out, go right ahead. And you can also uh, find the movie on Amazon Prime, uh, Prime Video. So if you have a Prime account, you can watch it on there. And there you'll have no ads, and it's in beautiful HD. As a matter of fact, the Tubi version, I believe, is in 720p, so not bad. Uh, The movie is also available on DVD and Blu-ray. The synopsis for this movie is as follows. 15 years ago, a peaceful Christmas neighborhood was engulfed by fear when five-year-old Jamie Garrett was mysteriously taken from her bedroom, never to be seen again. Now, on Christmas break, Rachel Kimmel comes home from college to find her neighborhood struck again by the reign of terror. A violent killer is hiding behind a grisly Santa mask, leaving a bloody trail of slaughtered women and castrated men to the steps of the Garrett house. Rachel finds herself in a horrifying nightmare as she discovers the twisted secret behind the mask. And now for this segment of the podcast episode, we're calling this one, What's in the Bag? Totally trying to channel some Brad Pitt, you know, what's in the box kind of thing. But this is Santa Claus, and he's got his little sack of gifts. And, well, if you've seen this movie, you know what's in that sack. Let's call them gifts. Anyways, so a little bit of trivia to start off with, and then I'll get into my overall feelings for the movie and whatnot. I did mention the short film Here Comes Santa, a short film that was written and directed by Todd starred his sister Ashley and Melinda Keering. Well, anyways, this movie is loosely based off of that short film. The interesting thing about this movie is that for a Christmas film, it was the majority of it was filmed in July in Los Angeles, like in California. It was also parts of it were filmed in San Francisco and Lake Arrowhead. The, the most unchristmassy time of the year, it's summertime, and in a state guaranteed to have no snow at that time of the year. 
ha 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 because like seriously it's like I, I i'm watching this movie and knowing this fact i'm thinking you know what i wonder how much the actors were sweating because they're all dressed up like it's you know like when they're outside and stuff they got winter coats on and toques or as they call them in the states beanies um you know mittens and gloves and what and it's supposed to be like you know it's 30 degrees outside or for those of us in Canada, zero degrees. But um, like, I, I'm just laughing because it's like, wow, like that. Those poor actors went through a hell of a lot to do this movie because, like I said, July in California, you can't get much hotter than that. The Christmas decorations in this movie came from flea markets and garage sales. And I will say, being someone who has gone to many flea markets and garage sales, yes, you're almost guaranteed to always find Christmas decorations at a yard sale. It's it just sort of like a common thing. And it's always those old, like, 1970s, like, Santa Clauses and the candy canes, the ones you put in your front yard and you light them up. And they were made of, like, that really sturdy plastic, but they were really light, so you had to anchor them down because the second a wind blew, it'd fall over. And, yeah, that those, they're pretty common at yard sales. I'm not going to lie. So when I saw that, I was like, he definitely. Uh, talk about a family... Christmas experience here. So his sister is the starring actress in this. Todd is the one who wrote and directed it, and he's Ashley's brother. Their mother was also a part of this film. She handled all the craft services for the film. So that's pretty cool. Like, I mean, talk about like Christmas time and family. It's all a family experience for a great family fun movie. No, uh, <laughs> definitely not meant for family. The effects for the film are all practical effects, and we love this movie for it. As I was saying earlier, you know, we, we're really embracing practical effects again. This movie is from 2015, low budget, and they went full practical, no CGI. And I, I could not praise this movie anymore for it because it is glorious. Now on to some of the actors and their roles and whatnot. Lito Velasco, he was our Santa Claus killer. He's... We never actually see his face. And apparently he had to lose weight for the role as the killer. I, I feel I'm sort of of two minds of that. I get it. It's a Hollywood thing. And, you know, a lot of times you, you hear about actors. Christian Bale for The Machinist lost a lot of weight. Um, but uh, you do hear about this from time to time. I'm thinking he's playing Santa Claus. He should actually have the weight on. But, I mean, that's me. The thing is, is that I do need to highlight that, and this is not even weight-related. Despite his character, his character has no lines in this film, right? No dialogue whatsoever. He still pulls off a great performance. And the thing is, is that when Todd was making this movie, he wanted it to be a love letter to the 80s slasher flicks that he grew up with. Now, I know, we hear this all the time. It's an homage to the 80s. Okay, well, whatever. But this one actually feels like an homage to the 80s. Um... Because Leto's performance is very reminiscent of, say, some of those like slasher killers like Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. Uh, he's very foreboding and brooding without saying a damn word. And I did say, like, uh, there's, there's one scene very cleverly done, and you can tell it was definitely a nod to Halloween, where we see the killer actually takes the Santa Claus mask off, but you never actually see his face. And as with Halloween, I mean, yes, okay, we saw Tony Moran's face like very 
very quickly in Halloween, but it was done in a way that you never really got a firm look at that face. And how many times, even within these new Halloween films, we still are not seeing Michael's face. We see glimpses of it or we see side shots or whatever, but they've always done that in a way where they hide the killer's face. And in this, they did the same thing. So it was definitely a, a, a very nice nod to the films that Todd was trying to homage. Um, the role of Mrs. Garrett, specifically written for Melinda Keering to play, and again, very reminiscent of those 80 slashers, in particular Friday the 13th. And I say this because Melinda is definitely channeling some Betsy Palmer-like vibes in this in this film. Her portrayal of Mrs. Garrett, while not exactly like Mrs. Voorhees, um, she's definitely doing some things in this movie that would bring reasonable comparisons to the two mother figures. Um, I mean, because, and especially for the fact that Mrs. Garrett here is mourning the loss of Jamie, who was her daughter, who was taken out of her room and they were never seen again with Mrs. Voorhees. Her son was killed because camp counselors weren't watching him. So neither mother actually got that chance to have that closure to say goodbye to their loved ones. And it causes them to go cuckoo. So it was very well done that it's not exactly like Mrs. Voorhees, but it's done in a way that it still gives its nods to Mrs. Voorhees. And Again, Melinda Keering plays it amazingly. She does a very good job of it. But I do have to talk about our our star in this film, Ashley Marie Nunes um, as Rachel Kimmel. So here is the thing about this. this. When I found this out, I had even more respect for this movie because <laughs> it's kind of funny because in 2021, the world is a different place. But when they were filming this, she actually had a severe cold. And she had a very bad cough during the filming of All Through the House. She was miserable as fuck because of it. I mean, who wouldn't be? Um, and for, I think she uh, had to do like a seven day shoot basically with this cold and this cough. And she had to keep running in and outside of the house um, basically because. She would get a coughing spell. She didn't want to ruin the filming like that was going on with other characters or whatever. So she would take herself outside, cough her brains out out there, you know, whatever, and then try and return back to play her character. Um, she lost her voice during the filming of this. Um, she had to basically, like, when delivering her dialogue, she really had to push the words out. Here is an actor that knows their craft, though, because she was struggling so much with her voice, she was struggling so much with this cough, she actually used it to her advantage. Um, and she used it to almost portray the suffering and the pain that her character was going through. That's awesome. Like, so, and you hear about, I don't want to, like, shit on anyone in particular but some of these more prima donna actors and actresses they get the smallest the slightest cold and it's well the shoots off for a week she is a doll for not only fighting through it but then taking it and saying okay i'm also going to use it as part of my portrayal of rachel and i'm not gonna lie the first time i watched this i wasn't sure like when it first started i was like i don't know how i feel about this character 
But then as the movie went on, her character grew on me even more. And by the time the movie was done, I was definitely okay with her acting in it. But then to find out that she worked through a cold, through a cough, and then used it to her advantage, she's a fucking trooper. And that's awesome. And I feel it's a goddamn shame because as we as we hear of like as i said like this this movie okay so this movie i believe won like well it was nominated for something like 20 awards and it won a good majority of them i don't want to take away from jessica cameron she did win an award for um for her uh her performance in this but knowing what ashley went through to put that performance on screen i feel like it's a fucking shame that she didn't even get nominated she didn't get any awards it's disgusting because knowing that is like full respect full respect right there um like i said jessica cameron she's great but i mean she's a gem but honestly ashley deserved more love for this movie I'm going to move on, though, from the actors now to the aesthetic of the movie because, as I said earlier, there is no possible way you can watch this movie and not tell it's a Christmas movie. I mean, they got fucking lights going up the stairs. They've got Christmas wreaths and mistletoe and Christmas trees and Santa Clauses and everything. The whole movie glows from so much of the Christmas decorations. Um, It's hilarious. And like I said, in July in California... Um, well, let's put it this way. It puts the whole idea of Christmas in July in a whole new light. Uh, but well, you know, and I'm going to say this because some people will watch this and go, well, this is a little bit much. I'm sure Clark Griswold is thinking someone's trying to give me a run for my money. But I like the fact that with this movie, there's no questioning at all that it's a Christmas horror film because some Christmas movies you see Christmas horror films, whatever. They focus more on the horror, which naturally you're supposed to. I get that. But with maybe the exception of, oh, well, today's December 24th or, you know, you hear one Christmas song at the beginning of the film. Some of these Christmas movies you can't tell are Christmas movies. There's no snow. There's no Christmas lights. And it's more focused on the the actual killings, which, again, I get it. I'm fine with that. But. This movie, at least when I'm watching it, I know I'm watching a Christmas horror film. I also might have a thing about Christmas lights and horror films. I really enjoy them. The blues, the greens, the yellows, and the reds. And speaking of red, there's the blood, the effects. Okay, so this movie, this right here is the golden ticket. This is why you watch this movie, because the effects are fun as hell. I saw some people commenting in different reviews and online and whatnot. They were saying that the the effects felt cheap. Low-budget flick. Don't forget that, please, when you go into this. <laughs> the thing is, this movie has lots of blood. There's lots of kills. Um, yes, there's sexually related content, you know, but it, it's done in a way that it's not sleazy. Um, the film does have its fair share of boobs. I'm not going to lie. You know, when it comes to the whole blood beasts and boobs thing of the 80s, yeah, this movie has it. But again, doesn't feel icky or sleazy, except for maybe the severed penises, which, okay, well, what, whatever. Which, by the way, spoilers, men are not spared in this either. Uh, they get their comeuppance and they get fucking torn apart and slaughtered and slayed and everything else. The effects are so awesome, though. Um, I will say this, though, you know, the social media warriors out there will have you believe that all slashers are just gratuitous violence against women. I love that Todd 
introduces you to this slasher in which men and women are equal. They're both on the chopping block and no one is safe. No one. No one is safe. I believe they even kill a fucking cat in this movie. Okay. Like nobody is safe from in this movie. The blood and effects though are on display. That is what makes you come back to this movie. It's what makes it fun. I know that some people have commented saying, you know, the acting's not that great. Again, low budget slasher. Please keep that in mind. It's all in how you approach these movies. I have to also give a nod to Irving Victoria for a great, creepy and effective score. It's a goddamn shame it hasn't been released anywhere, whether it be digitally on vinyl or anything. Please, if somebody hears this and they have a way of getting to them about this, I want this soundtrack. The music in this is so awesome. It helps add to the aesthetic and the mood just nicely, which is exactly what a music score should do. Um, I'm going to say this because before I get into the critic reception of this film, there is something I kind of quickly want to address about the movie. And that is that it is far from perfect. And I am aware of this. And you know something? That's okay. I'm so tired of this world we live in where everybody complains about a movie that's not perfect. Movies don't have to be perfect. They have to entertain. Maybe I'm just a hell of a lot easier on films these days, uh, especially when they've got some blood spattering decking of the halls in a Christmas kind of horror flick. Maybe, Maybe it's just I'm that easy on it. I love Christmas horror flicks, and it doesn't take much to entertain me. Um... Or maybe it's that people have no sense on how to have fun watching movies these days. I don't know. It's interesting because when I saw critic reviews about this movie and I saw that the film festivals were giving it all these awards, I'm like, this movie's great. This is exactly what I wanted. And then I read fan reviews and it's like everybody's shitting on this movie. And I'm like, what's wrong with people? Is the acting great? No. But who the fuck goes into all through the house looking for Oscar-worthy performances? I don't want that. If I want to watch that, I'll fucking watch Gandhi. But I don't want to watch Gandhi. I want to watch a cheesy slasher flick that's going to make me laugh, make me enjoy myself. And even at that, I still think that both Ashley and Lito are awesome in this movie. I think their acting performances are really good. That said, no, this movie is not going to be a five-star Academy Award winner. I'm not asking it to be. Um, when approaching a movie like this, here's the attitude you got to have. Just go with it <laughs> or don't go at all. If, if, if you're really not, I think that's the thing too. I think where I get annoyed with the online presence that sometimes presents itself with these movies is that people will say, Oh, I totally love slasher flicks. And then every slasher flick, they tear apart. It's like, then why do you keep going back to the well? If you don't like what the well is giving you. This movie is a joy to watch and repeatedly, I might add, like this is one of those that's going to be a yearly tradition for me now. It won awards at film festivals. As I mentioned, the critical reviews for All Through the House have been positive, which is a nice change for once. Usually it's the other way around. Usually it's the critic reviews that are tearing these movies apart and the fans are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? This movie was awesome. In this case, it seems like it's almost reverse. Although, I'm not going to lie, there are a lot of fan reviews as well that totally love this movie. So I don't want to make it sound like every fan in the world is an asshole. No, they're not. Um, I think also what helps when it comes to the critical reviews is that for once, we have the right reviewers voicing their opinions. Instead of some university journalism grad who can't tell the difference between The Exorcist and The Omen. I mean, we actually have people that know the genre, they know the craft, and they know what goes into these movies. 
Uh, take, for example, Horror Society. Okay, now see, the name itself tells you they know horror films. And they're talking about this movie. They say it's the perfect stocking stuffer, the perfect present under the tree. It's an unpredictable gore fest filled with holiday cheer and unadulterated horror. That's exactly what this movie is. It's it's a perfect example of of someone knowing what they're talking about. It's the holiday cheer comes in the laughter you get from each of the kills and from the the corniness of it because it's just it's so out there, but it's so awesome. Um, the shock chamber, see name, it fits. You know, they praise the film, saying if the film was made 30 years ago, it would be mentioned today in the same conversations as Black Christmas and Silent Night, Deadly Night. I'm just going to say that I always hate people that overlook Christmas Evil so much. Um, Christmas Evil is a goddamn gem. <laughs> Don't forget that one. Um, but yes, I, I, I'd i have to say, like, I don't know that I would necessarily put this one at that level, especially Black Christmas. Black Christmas is like the fucking, it's the epitome of Christmas slashers. But this one definitely, I, I have to agree, it would be in the same conversations as those movies. Um, Bloody Flicks reported that All Through the House isn't perfect, but it rebels in its flaws and creates a rip-roaring sleigh ride straight to hell. That's kind of the way I feel about it, too, is that, yes, it does have its flaws. There are continuity issues, and there are certain effects that, eh, they don't look the greatest. But it's still fun. That's all it needs to be. IMDb, this kind of pisses me off, but whatever, because it's kind of weird the way this works out. IMDb has the film standing at a 4.4 out of 10. Ironically, though, 10 is the most of the votes. It's a 10 out of 10 for 21.7% of the audience that voted on it. But it's because the fours and the fives are the next two highest rated rankings. So that's what keeps bringing the rating down. But honestly, it was kind of weird when I was looking at it. I'm like, so this movie has a 4.4, but the majority of people have it ranked at a 10, which those to me are the people that are probably like me that are just like, holy shit, this movie did exactly what I wanted. It's a 10. Um, there is no tomato meter for this movie. And that's probably a good thing because rotten tomatoes would be probably the area you would find all the shitty critic reviews. Uh, and in terms of like, when you Google this movie, it will tell you that 69% of Google users rated this movie that they liked it. Uh, I'm also going to add one thing that I thought was kind of funny. Well, not funny, but it's, you can tell someone was having fun with their little rankings. Uh, December of 2019, Joblow.com released an article of the hottest Christmas horror movie heroines. And Ashley Marie Nunes was number one ahead of Katie Cassidy and Olivia Hussey, who were number, they were numbers two and three respectively. I'm laughing that both Katie Cassidy and Olivia, Olivia Hussey were both from black Christmas movies and Joblo.com put Ashley Marie just a little bit higher than those two. I was like, hmm, interesting. I'm not going to lie. She is cute. The podcast zero rating. So how I feel about this film is I'm going to say best way for me to say this is this. Thank you, Todd Nunes. Your host, Postmortem Paul, uh, has also added this one to his list of annual Axmas Slayers that must be watched every holiday season. I've already watched it once, obviously, for this, but even if I wasn't reviewing this, I'd still be watching this movie this year. I'm probably going to watch it again. Like, it's... 
I, I'm with Bloody Flex on this one. It's not a perfect film, but I'm not asking it to be. It doesn't need to be. It's entertaining. It's quick paced and the blood flows nicely. And like I said, the colors in this movie just fucking pop. And I love that. Like the new movie that came out uh, this year, Black Friday. One of the things that I really enjoyed about Black Friday, and I know there's been some criticisms about that movie as well, but the part I liked about it was the color schemes fucking pops like your, your TV screen or your movie screen or wherever you're watching it just glows. And that's awesome. That's what I like about movies like this all through the house is another one of those films. Yes. There's Christmas lights everywhere. There, there, there's no questioning what time of the year this movie takes place in, but I like it because one, I think it's a, it's a very cool way to add lighting to a film. You'll see, you'll see that co- that comment made so many times where people will be like, this movie was too dark. I think with Christmas horror films, especially the ones that bring a lot of lights to the forefront and there's a lot of decorations and whatnot, you can't, it, it's a cool way of bringing lighting to a movie. And at the same time, the color schemes really glow and make it very enjoyable on both the eyes and the senses. Like, you just, you love the film because of that. So... At least that's the way I approach Christmas horror films. Uh, so maybe this is just a me thing and, you know, it's all about me. No, um, but maybe that's just the way I approach it. I don't know. I, I did see a few other comments where people were saying they thought it was a very colorful film. So I guess I'm not alone in that. The score by Irving Victoria is definitely solid. Uh, just enough creepy value to the film. As much as there is the humor and the fun. So you have the creepy sounds, you have the the humor, you have the fun, you have the kills. It's not a Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim, okay? And it's not even really that close to the always immortal Black Christmas from 1974. Okay. But this is still a movie that should see itself getting viewed Axmas after Axmas after Axmas. I think it definitely should be a tradition for me this is seven sacks of santa slaying out of ten it's a seven out of ten for me um i enjoy the fuck out of this movie i think it's a lot of fun i definitely recommend it like like i said it's not perfect i'm not asking it to be i just want to have fun with it and that's exactly what this movie is it's a lot of fun and speaking of santa's sack yeah um what's in the sack well that's for you to watch but Let's just say if you're a guy and you're watching this movie, you're probably going to cringe a little. Um, <laughs> but hey, you know what? Like For all those people that have always said, hey, slashers are always gratuitous violence against women. Well, you know what? The men get their fair due in this movie, and that's okay. And on that note, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. The first episode of A Few. I'm not sure... I know I have next week's episode for sure will be a holiday Christmas horror film. And I'm probably going to do one more before taking a holiday break. Um, But we'll see. I might do two. Who knows? The thing is, is that this year it's kind of weird for me. Um, And I, I, I know that no one has really questioned it yet. I'm sure I'll get the questions eventually, but who knows? This year has sucked. Um, and not, not because of the reasons that have been told to you amongst all social media feeds and whatnot. For me, it's the social media thing that I think has brought me down the most. I think it's the fact that people are so easily distracted by things that they shouldn't be. 
and I've just felt that this year has really been frustrating. So the whole Christmas thing, it's kind of weird because I actually started doing my Christmas horror movie watching like two weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> I kind of started a little early on it uh, just because I wanted something that's not going to depress me so much. And I know that sounds kind of weird. And you're thinking, well, you know, you're probably that guy who's like, you know, you know, doesn't want to hear the Christmas music right away. I The whole war on Christmas music thing, I don't understand either. I don't, it's music. And either it's uh, about music you like or it's music you don't like. I mean, I don't like country music, but I don't cry about it every single day. I hate in the month of November and December, all I hear is people saying, I hate Christmas music. Well, then whatever. Like, you want to be cool with the cool kids? Go do that. But I don't hate it. I don't necessarily love it either. I do love some of it, though, um, especially when it's like horror movie Christmas scores. I fucking love that shit. Um, Charlie Brown Christmas. I love the music to Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm not going to fucking lie and act like I don't. I fucking love that soundtrack. <laughs> like, I love the music for it. But I, I also pick what kind of Christmas music I like. You know, I don't mind Bing Crosby. Some people are like, oh, I don't like that old classic shit and stuff. Okay, that's cool. Whatever. You're each, each to their own. But I don't know. I've just found that this year has really, really taken its toll on me emotionally and mentally and whatnot. But not for the reasons you would think. It's for other reasons. And so, I don't know. The whole Christmas thing. I was like, this year, I want to focus a little bit on something that brings me back to those memories of when I used to be carefree and just love life and I mean granted when I was like five but <laughs> um, but even at that like what what's the thing like they you know as you get older they always tell you Christmas was for kids kind of thing and it's like well yeah okay but there's nothing wrong with going back and reliving some of those feelings and that's kind of what I've been doing through watching Christmas horror flicks <laughs> like Better Watch Out and shit like that and Santa Slay oh Santa Slay did I mention that one uh, hold that thought um, but yeah and then there's like Silent Night I've watched I've watched um, I tried watching that 2019 Black Christmas movie that didn't go over so well um, I'm not gonna lie it's not meant for me I think I talked about that on this show already previously but i tried again i was like Meh. you know and it's i think that's the thing that bothers me about that movie is because i love christmas horror flicks and it's the one that stands out that i just can't get into and i hate it for it because it's like god damn you i just want to like you and then you make it so hard <laughs> because like i'm very easygoing when it comes to these things like most Christmas horror flicks for me are usually at about a 7 and higher, except maybe Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. I recently revisited that one, and yeesh, I forgot how boring it was. Which sucks, because Bill Mosley's in it, and I fucking love Bill Mosley, but yeah, that movie was pretty fucking boring. Um, I, I, I get what they were trying to do, it just it didn't work. Um, but yeah... That's the whole, Christmas, you know. It, it's kind of the funny thing about Christmas is, is I, 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 there's actually a part of me that really loves Christmas, and I'm not even religious, total atheist, but I like it for other reasons, like I've said. So, give me my killer Santas and mutant snowmen. Jack Frost, that's a great movie too. Um, anyways, thank you for listening. Where you can find the show, obviously you're listening to it, so you found it somewhere, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google. Audible, Amazon Music Prime, or Prime Music, or whatever the fuck they call it. Wow, I'm 
not even drunk, but um, I sound like it. Uh, <laughs> FM player, podcast addict, you know the deal. Wherever most major podcast streaming apps are now, you know, they're featuring the show. Podbean is another one. Uh, in terms of social media, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, Instagram at What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, and Twitter at WLB Podcast Zero. Next episode is a listener request from TJ the Drummer. Yes, he requested this actually back in, I want to say, August or September. And I made sure I took note of it because I didn't want to forget. Not that I was going to because I think this movie was kind of on the chopping block for this year anyways. But he, yeah, he mentioned this and I'm definitely doing it this year. Uh, Santa Slay from 2005. The movie with uh, Bill Goldberg. If you've seen this movie, you know that the opening 10 minutes of it is fucking epic. It's so awesome. So I'm definitely reviewing that one, and I'm doing it for TJ the Drummer. I'm doing it for myself, too, but definitely doing it for him. Um, So that's pretty much that. (sighs) I kind of like doing these Christmas horror movie things. I don't do them. Well, I mean, granted, I get it. You know, you're supposed to do it in December, whatever. It's kind of funny because, like, the Halloween thing... I mean, I for me, every day is Halloween. But when I celebrate Halloween, I always do this like 61 days of Halloween where it's like the whole month of September and October. I celebrate Halloween on full fucking tilt there. And Christmas is weird because we seem like we only want to focus on just December. Um, there's nothing wrong with throwing it in November as well. I know that some people are like, gotta wait till Veterans Day and Remembrance Day before you play your Christmas music. Ah, fuck off. Shut up. I'm not going to get into the whole political thing on that one, but I mean, it's just let people love what they love. Some people will fucking need that just to get through the day. So let them love what they love. And yeah, I don't want to end this on a bitchy note. So that's that next week, Santa Slay. Hope y'all have a great week. And on that note, Al, take it away. You need to shut the fuck up. Now, I don't give a bag of dicks what kinky shit you're into. Just be into it quietly. But he spit them out. Well, that's super. Let's give him a gold star. Kid of the week.